Okay, we're uh, we're back at it. Many guys who aren't from Oklahoma, Bernie, you have no idea. We don't like them. It's personal. We got a logo too. We've been working on one for 18 years, and, and we want everybody in the country to know, with all due respect, we got a logo too. We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Colby Powell. Colby, happy Friday to you. I assume you're watching the uh, Phoenix Open. It is on in the background right now. I'm watching the 16th hole as Brandon Grace tees off into the crowd. Carson, do you think you can hit a golf ball with 20,000 people watching and making noise? I'm glad you brought this up. Did you happen to see the clip of the dude from The Bachelor? Just cold shank one into the photographers. No, I did not. But that sounds about right. Oh, man. You got to find this. Uh, what was his name? Just Google Bachelor Phoenix Open Shank. He's barefoot. And there's like a. <laughs> yeah, just Google it. Matt James Phoenix Open. He's barefoot. And all these photographers are lined up to the right of him, and he just cold shanks one right into a photographer's groin, right in the nuts. Hey, photographer's dangerous job. Everybody says football. What about golf? You got balls oh, and, coming at you at golf. Yeah, and this this guy's not a pro. Like I wouldn't be lined sitting where they're sitting. So that lesson learned there. But uh, no, that's what I would do, Colby, if I was in the cauldron of uh, sixteen. Uh, yeah. I'd like to think that I wouldn't shank it. I haven't had a shank since like my junior year in high school. Uh, for whatever reason, all my misses are off the toe. So I'd like to think I wouldn't shank it. But I mean, even from 155 yards, I don't know that I'd be hitting the green. I'm a pretty good player. I don't know that I'd be hitting the green with 20,000 people watching, making noise. I'd probably kind of half chunk duff one short of the green and uh, pray I could get it up and down or at least make no worse than four so I don't get booed too bad. Is that how far it is, 155? Uh, today it's playing 166 to the back hole oh. location. The pin yesterday was 154. So yeah, oh, one, that's one, not one, short. It's no, mid range, seven or eight. I probably an eight iron out there in the uh, Scottsdale heat. I know what you would do. You would, because I've I've I didn't see this with my own two eyes, but I've heard this story before. You would hit it out of bounds, couldn't find your ball, re tee and hit a hole in one, which would actually be a par. Carson, so that's I've, I've heard you've done that before. That story is way more heartbreaking than you made it sound. My left, my first tee shot went left into some trees. So I said, guys, I'm going to hit a provisional in case I can't find that. The provisional from 190 yards, one hops in the hole. We get up there. We're playing a money game. We find my ball, my original tee shot. It's stymied behind a tree. I have to play it, pitch out sideways. I ended up making double. Oh, that's uh, way worse. Way worse. <laughs> yes. Uh, we got a little bit of football news, a little bit of basketball news to get to. But first, let's hear from Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop. Be sure to shop at chrisuniversityspirit.com. We appreciate Chris's sponsoring the podcast. And springtime is near, baseball season. We got a little softball to talk about as well. Man, the Cowgirls are ranked really high coming in this year. They already picked up a big win. We'll discuss that and more. But let's get to the uh, – we were recording last time, Colby, and OSU was just about to tip off against TCU. And they, they lose on the road, 77-73. Um, I didn't watch a whole lot of it, just to be frankly honest with my, my listeners and audience, but um, just kind of more par for the course, just a disappointing loss on the road. I'm not laughing at the loss on Tuesday night. I did watch that whole game. I just saw the Matt James shank, 
and it was so good. Yeah, brutal. Everybody search Matt James. If you just go to Twitter and search Matt James Phoenix Open, a bunch of stories about it pop up, and you can watch the video. It's uh, it's pretty great. Carson, I watched pretty much the entire game on Tuesday night. Isaac Likely did everything that he could. I mean, Isaac Likely, we know he's a limited offensive player because the jump shooting isn't there, but he can do a lot of good things in the lane. He's good at finishing around the basket, and he was doing a bunch of that on Tuesday night. And he ends up with 19 points, uh, throwing 14 from Avery Anderson. And it was nearly enough, Carson. I mean, they, they got close, but just couldn't rebound. I mean, the re- they get out-rebounded by 13, and that's because I think they broke even in the second half. That first half was an insane amount of offensive rebounds for TCU. Oklahoma State just could not get them off the glass. And then late in the game, you get a big man go to the line who's just a terrible free-throw shooter, throwing up missiles at the rim. First one bounces around, hits the rim about six times, and then finally goes in. Uh, let's see. This season, he's a 57% free-throw shooter, much better than the 33% he shot from the line last year, and then he cashes the second one to go ahead and ice the four-point win. Uh, So that was just pretty perfect for Oklahoma State. But, yeah, another close one, Carson. They all seem to be close, and it just comes down to who makes more free-throws and more plays at the end, and on Tuesday night, that was TCU. OSU needs to work on their free-throw defense. (laughs) TCU... Uh, came into the game shooting 66% from the free throw line. They shoot 78% against OSU, uh, 18 of 23. Uh, Lamp, can you mention 52% on his career, uh, gets him to go. And how about this against West Virginia? The Mountaineers shot 64% from the stripe entering that game and go 21 for 22 for 95% against Oklahoma State. Wow. So that's kind of just an odd anomaly, uh, anomaly that's been going against the Cowboys. But you mentioned Isaac Likely. Great game for him, 19 points on 75% shooting. He's playing better as of late. Um, there's a chance he could come back for his fifth year. It didn't sound like he or Mike Boynton really knew if he was going to or not. It feels like he's been in college for about 10 years. He's the new Keaton Page or uh, Phil Forte. I thought I was going to say fifth year. Don't you mean ninth year? There's no way next year would be his fifth year. I know, right? Well, and it's crazy. He's never won in, in Fort Worth. The last time Oklahoma State – uh, one in Fort Worth, Jawan Evans was playing point guard and Brad Underwood was coaching. That's how, which is weird because TCU has been one of the worst programs in the big 12. And I say worst because they're everyone in the big 12 is pretty good. And TCU certainly would be better than average, but it's kind of a weird anomaly because it's not really a hostile environment, only about 5,000 on hand for this game, but uh, just more of the same for Oklahoma state Colby and the, their defense really regressed in this game as well. In their first seven big 12 Big 12 games, team shot above 40% just twice. In the past six games, all but one team has shot above 40%. So what, what really is the hallmark of this team is their defense. If, if that goes away, that's that's how you get losses like this in Fort Worth. Yeah, and I think a big part of that was the amount of offensive rebounds for TCU. I mean, Lampkin had five offensive rebounds himself. They had 14 as a team, and Lampkin was able to get some of those offensive rebounds, put them right back up. Uh, it, it's just I mean, you've got to be able to rebound. I'm looking at 14 offensive rebounds for TCU, and I don't know exactly how many second chance points uh, that converted into. I don't have that in front of me, but it felt like TCU was just getting a second try on every other possession. And, uh, yeah, the defense has faltered a little bit, but I got to say, Carson, uh, we're two games back now with Bryce Williams. He He's going to have to find it. Oklahoma State needs him. It's 
it's one of those things where it's just a different guy every night, but 15 minutes, two of seven from the floor for Bryce Williams. I mean, that's not the, that's not the recipe for this team. They need a consistent Bryce Williams, Bryce Thompson, Avery Anderson. They need consistency from those guys. It was good to see Musa Cisse have another pretty good showing. Uh, Caleb Boone weirdly goes back to playing seven minutes on Tuesday night. I, I don't know, Carson. I, maybe it was just the mismatch with Lampkin. I, I can't make sense of the difference in minutes that we're seeing game in and game out, specifically with Caleb Boone, who will go like three, 17, seven, it's just an odd uh, an odd deal with Caleb and the amount of minutes he's played. Yeah, it looks like it looks like to me, and Mike Boynton's been quoted on this, it just it seems like he trusts Tyreek Smith more defensively. That was a quote he had a few weeks ago where he basically called them out by names and said that, you know, Tyreek Smith can can guard multiple positions and just seems to know where to be on defense more so than Caleb Boone does. So that would be my speculation as to why his minutes kind of wane. If he has a bad couple of possessions on defense, I think Mike Boynton just gets him out of there. So that's yeah. that's my hypothesis hypothesis there. But um, uh, just really a lackluster performance. The, the guy that I'm just baffled by too, and we've been baffled by a lot of guys this year, is is M.A. Moncrief. I mean, you, you go back to that that Big Twelve title, uh, that Big Twelve championship game run they had in the tournament. And even in the NCAA tournament, like the hallmark of this team and why they were so dangerous at the end of the year was they were just long and athletic. There was that that picture you and I talked about with Moncrief at the rim with just his length uh, blocking shots. Plays 11 minutes, uh, zero points, three rebounds, two assists. I mean, two offensive rebounds, but not much. And that's a guy I kind of thought really – summarized what Mike Boynton was looking for in a player and really came on at the end of last year. And they're just not getting much out of him. No, they're really not. It's odd. You look at his splits from last year to this year, last year, nine points a game, a little more than five rebounds. uh, And he was playing almost 22 minutes this year. The minutes are down to 16 minutes a game. And Carson, he's averaging 4.7 points, 4.3 rebounds. Uh, shooting percentage is about the same within one percentage point of where it was last year. But, I mean, the minutes, six fewer minutes per game, and that's basically cut his point total in half per game. I don't know if it's a confidence issue. I don't know if it's a fit issue now that you've got Musa Cisse and you've got Tyreek Smith and you've got Caleb Boone. There's just there's more mouths to feed as far as big men go. But, I mean, he's a guy who should be able to play kind of that hybrid four position because at his size with his skill set you know he, he's listed at 6 7 215 so he's not a Musa Cisse massive center he's also not a guy who's going to step outside and shoot it he's got to be kind of a, a a bully ball guy at six foot seven um I mean he's got good size he's got a good frame it seems like he should be able to do a little bit more on the inside than he does I don't know it just for whatever reason it it totally has not worked this year for M.A. Moncrief uh, I mean, it's hard to call it anything other than a regression whenever you look at what he was last year compared to what he's been so far this season. Yep, I would agree with that. It's just been a it's been a strange year for a lot of guys on this team, and I think the, the record would indicate that. OSU hosts West Virginia Saturday, 1 o'clock at Gallagher-Iba, then it's on the road at Kansas. So West Virginia is really – really struggling this year. They're not, they're not vintage West Virginia by any means. They're three and seven in conference play. So that's a game you would think Oklahoma state could, could come out ahead, but they got some issues to shore up. But um, the most disturbing thing to me, Colby is the milk carton took an L 
I think I think Bryce Williams is our first L on the milk carton. Yeah, big time L for the milk carton. I mean, Bryce Williams was one game off injury, put him on the milk carton, and I mean, 15 minutes, five points on two of seven shooting. Uh, you never like it whenever there's more uh, shot attempts than there are points coming from a guy. So, um, yeah, I mean, maybe he just doesn't have the rhythm yet coming off injury. He's trying to find himself in the lineup, uh, get his minutes figured out. Some of it's just matchups, but, yeah, it just seems like this team is taking one step forward, two steps back. It feels like they're swimming upstream. Uh, all the cliches, Carson, because this team – I don't know, man. It just feels like they should be better than they are. 11 and 12, sub 500 overall, uh, four and seven in conference. It just yeah, it hasn't worked. And, and it's disappointing because, um, I mean, prior to that NCAA decision, this program had a lot of momentum. And I don't know about you, Carson, but to an extent, it, it kind of feels like that momentum has stalled. Who's your milk carton uh, this weekend? Uh, this weekend? I mean, why not M.A. Moncrief going against West Virginia, a team that Oklahoma State struggled with earlier in the season? Look, I don't know where exactly he's sitting right now. He got more minutes on Tuesday night than he did Saturday in Bedlam. So hopefully he can come out and, and find the M.A. Moncrief that we saw last season. I'd like to see a 20-minute, you know, kind of 8 to 10 point, 5-6 rebounds, and, and just an efficient game where it looks like he's – playing confidently and playing in control of himself. So we're going to go M.A. Moncrief tomorrow against West Virginia. we go Bryce Thompson. He had 22 points against Kansas State. He had six against Oklahoma and nine against TCU, so just 15 over his last two games. I think, I think we'll see the Bryce Thompson we've seen in some of those games where he scored 20 points or more in this game. Just a hunch. I'll go, I'll go with Bryce Thompson for this week's uh, – this week's milk carton. You yeah, like that pick? Good one. Yeah, I do. I think uh, whenever Bryce Williams was out, Bryce Thompson kind of went on that run, that, what was it, a, a two, three, four game run where he was really lighting it up, shooting the ball really well, kind of trying to put the team on his back. He's kind of cooled off a little bit, which you expect. It's hard to maintain that really high level of play, but he, he's had a few games where he's just been good, not great. So, yeah, I think now is as good a time as any for him to break back out and have one of those 18- or 20-point performances. And hopefully Oklahoma State could get a big win tomorrow at home. Uh, I'll say this for Oklahoma State. They've still been putting on entertaining shows for the home crowd. Uh, got the big win in Gallagher-Iba Saturday for Bedlam. Hopefully they can get another one tomorrow against West Virginia. Just keep doing enough to keep the fan base energized. And, again, hopefully try to cl close the season and regain some of that momentum that it feels like the program has lost this season. I would agree. Did you see the um, article on ESPN talking about kind of just the new look of the Big 12? The title of it is Oklahoma and Texas Who? The new look Big 12 is ready to thrive. They talk about, obviously, the teams coming into the conference that have done well, but also how Baylor and Oklahoma State are kind of going to be the bell cows of this conference. And there are some interesting things in here from Mike Gundy. Um, let's see here. Uh, and this is kind of what I've been just trying to say all along about how I've wanted Oklahoma State to kind of parlay their success. Just listen to the success they've had. Uh, in the past 15 years, Oklahoma State ranked second in the league and 10th nationally in winning percentage. Uh, Oklahoma's third nationally. Among current Big 12 members who will remain in the league, Oklahoma State has the most victories since 2007 with 138. TCU is next with 129. Uh, so Baylor's tied 23rd nationally. Um, I just think that that success, Oklahoma State's willing to or should be able to go to the next level, which is what Mike Gundy and the administration keeps talking about. But even more fascinating to me, Colby, was 
for years on this podcast, Kyle Porter would say he would look at Clemson, which for people who don't know, Clemson is a tiny, tiny college town. It has about 16,000 people. For, and for reference sake, uh, Stillwater has 50,000. It's a small college town. Um, the success they've had, they, they did win a national title in the early 80s, which is obviously very different than Oklahoma State. But just the way they were able to kind of emerge over the last 10 years, Kyle didn't say they were going, they, they, they could be Clemson and be going to college football playoffs and, and replicating the same success because we all know the advantages Clemson has being a two hour drive from Atlanta, being in the Southeast where all the good players are. We all understand that. But Oklahoma State, I think, and I think Kyle was right, can certainly emulate that plan. And Mike Gundy himself in this article, Quote, uh, the article reads, Gundy looks at Clemson's rise as a model for Oklahoma State. From 2000 to 2014, Clemson had nine top 25 finishes, but only one top 10 in one ACC title. Then Clemson made six consecutive college football playoff appearances, winning national titles in 2016 and 2018. And the quote from Gundy, quote, they came up with a marketing plan. They liked Dabo. They started doing all these things to raise money and build facilities. They enhanced their recruiting, had a few good years, pumped a ton of money in it, and they established themselves. I would like to take this school, this athletic department, this football program to a level that whenever I'm done and it's somebody else's job, they see Oklahoma State as a dominant football school. So again, and I got a lot of mentions on Twitter. They're, they're not Clemson. They don't, they're not in the South. They don't have the recruiting base. Um, yes, they don't the same base as strong as Clemson, but they have Texas right there. They have Arkansas and Kansas. And I think you could argue the best players in the history of the school came from Kansas, Barry Sanders, Arkansas, Leslie O'Neill, Texas, take your pick, uh, Thurman Thomas, Des Bryant, whoever, whoever you want to mention. They don't, they, they have a recruiting base. Is it Atlanta? No, but the base is there to take OSU to this quote unquote next level. And for Oklahoma state, I think Colby, that next level is, getting to the big 12 title game most years, year in, year out. And that's, that's kind of what I think the, the comparison should be. And I, I, I'm, I thought it was kind of interesting that Mike Gundy made the same comparison that Kyle made, you know, five years ago. Yeah. I think in the post OU and Texas era, Oklahoma state is going to be looking to be a pretty much year in year out contender for the conference championship. And hopefully at some point an expanded college football playoff. We don't know what that looks like in the future. I do think the Clemson comparison is a good one to make. Look, it's never going to be a hundred percent apples to apples. Yes. There are differences between Oklahoma state and Clemson, but the one big thing, and this is what it comes down to in college athletics, especially now in the modern era Carson, it is the money. It is the money. You want to take big steps in college sports. You want to take big steps, especially in college football. It takes big money. It's a pay-to-play sport. And I know it hasn't felt like that for a long time because of the the shamaturism, if you will, of the whole thing that everyone tried to hold on to for so long as others made billions of dollars. And, and now we're starting to see players with NILs. And, I mean, look what Texas A&M just did. Texas A&M just bought a number one overall recruiting class, the highest rated recruiting class in the history of the sport. They bought it. They wrote a check. They paid for it. It, it takes money. Now, Oklahoma State has some money, not top-of-the-line elite money. Uh, they would need some more to make a big, huge step. But I do think 
that Clemson is a pretty good look because they were able uh, to do some things and, and bring themselves up to the level of the elites of college football, six consecutive college football playoff experiences, two national championships in that time. Uh, I don't, I'm not saying Oklahoma State is going to get to that level because that's just an elite, elite level of college football. But to think that Oklahoma State can't spend a little bit more money and make themselves a perennial, a perennial contender for the Big 12 title and the college football playoff, I think that that absolutely should be the goal for this Oklahoma State program. I do too. And you're so right. Money is an important aspect of this. Adam Lunt mentioned to me on the, when I tweeted out that article that Oklahoma state doesn't have near the athletic budget. And I, I basically said, you know, did, did Clemson before they started making college football playoffs and, and no, they, they had to build on that success to get to where they're at now, but Oklahoma state's far behind They're top 48 ish, according to Lunt nationally. But I do think Oklahoma State has some advantages now. You mentioned the AM buying the number one recruiting class. Let's face it, OSU wasn't recruiting at that level anyway. And I don't think a lot of people have taken notice how successful Oklahoma State's been in the transfer portal. Just look at this year's team. Tay Martin, transfer portal. Jalen Warren, transfer portal. Christian Holmes, transfer portal. I think this gives Oklahoma State a much better shot at competing year in, year out with the portal because they're not getting top 10 recruiting classes. What they are doing, uh, David Godlewski, transfer portal. The best players on their team this year were transfer portal guys. So I I think that's, that's an interesting facet of the way college football is now, Colby, that they don't really necessarily have to up their recruiting into the top 15. I certainly would like them to be higher than they've been. And they, they did that this year. I, I like their class this year, but it, it seems to me that they don't have to have this massive recruiting budget as long as they, they can fi- keep finding players in the portal. I mean, yeah, the portal obviously has changed things. It, it's just, I don't know that I fully believe that a team can make that big next leap. It, it depends on how much of a leap that we're talking about. Are we talking about, legitimately maybe sometime in the next 10 to 20 years being able to win a national championship beat Alabama Georgia A&M these other schools that have NFL players all over the roster money is a big factor but Oklahoma State like you said even without that money there are other things that you can do to maximize your success at, at whatever level you're at financially because not all schools not all donors have the same money that's just the reality of college athletics So if Oklahoma State can maximize what they're getting by landing some good players in the portal, by making it a destination for coordinators, which is what we've seen. I mean, Derek Mason coming in after Jim Knowles just leaves to go to Ohio State. Obviously, the offensive coordinator at Oklahoma State has been a coveted position, and I would imagine will continue to be moving forward. So those kind of things. Being successful in the portal, being a a good spot for coordinators to come where they can make good money and have a good job that can launch them to where they want to be in their careers. I think those are the kind of things that Oklahoma State can do well to position themselves uh, to make that next leap in the new look Big 12. Gundy likens the situation to a company trying to attract investors. Oklahoma State isn't a startup and he's not a new CEO, but the program is entering an important new phase. His goal is to make continual facility upgrades from a weight room to an academic center to new turf on the field. So this, I, I like this article and it, it just continues the, the mantra that Mike Gundy and, and the administration have had of, of taking OSU to, to the next level. And I, I love that. And, um, and let's face it, Colby, like, do I think they're going to be competing against Georgia talent for talent or, or ready to win a national title? No, but they were what? 
a few inches away from from being in the playoff this year in a four team playoff format. Yeah. So looking looking ahead, I mean, twelve team playoff. I think with the way they're heading and the way they're talking, I think they should try to make the playoff every single year once it, once the playoffs expanded. Yeah, I mean, I think so too. If they go, to, especially if they go to eight or even if they go to twelve, I mean, that would give Oklahoma State an opportunity to really, like you said, year in, year out, be there uh, either in the playoff or, or right on the cusp toward the end of the season. Now, there are still going to be some years, I think, for Oklahoma State where, you know, it's a disappointing year. You win seven games occasionally every few years, but those need to become fewer and further between as well because those are the ones that slow the momentum, then that next recruiting class isn't as good, and there's a ripple effect there if you have those down years. So if a down year could be eight and four instead of the down years of six and six that we've seen over the past seven eight years that raises the floor of your program as well i mean it's all it's all connected it all has to work together um i I think there's a lot of reason to be optimistic about what oklahoma state football is doing though because i I mean i've even talked about this quite a bit carson the way gundy is talking is different than we've heard him talk in the past and i like that it's less of a well we built this monster. We've got to feed it. And more of a, how do we take that next step? And when the head coach starts thinking that way and talking that way, I think that that trickles down. So I really like the way that he's kind of starting to approach this as college football and college athletics as a whole. I mean, the landscape of it all is really changing and Gundy seems ready to embrace it. I do. And that's all I've ever really wanted. And it's, it's almost like Gundy and Oklahoma state were reluctant to to put all that information out there, the stats that I've been reading for five years about how they've been top 10 in wins over the last five years and 10 years. And here's all the success they've had. They're clearly the second best program in the big 12 wins wise. Like it seemed like there were all these metrics that nobody other than OSU fans knew and and Oklahoma state wasn't really churning them out. It's almost like the PR team sat Mike down and said, look at this, like, look, look what you've done. Let's, let's get that out there. Let's, let's tell the world. And that's, I think where the, we got a logo two stuff started coming up after the bowl game. I think it's time to parlay all of the success Mike Gundy's had. He, he deserves to toot his own horn. And I, I'm, I'm so happy he is. That's all I've ever really, really wanted or been critical of besides just, you know, recruiting in the thirties and forties uh, nationally. Uh, do you follow Bill Connolly at all on ESPN? A little bit, not a lot, but I see his stuff from time to time when something relevant pops across my timeline. Yeah, he does the SP plus metrics, kind of just advanced statistics on college football teams, who's going to regress, who's going to progress and get better the next year. As high as I am on OSU coming into next year, Colby, he's not. He has them as one of the biggest uh, teams for, set up for regression. He had them ranked like 36th in the nation. Uh, they're going to average less than 5.8 or 5.8 points less per game. Uh, the defense, I think he thinks is going to get worse with key losses. So he's, he's looking at all the losses they have on the roster Colby and he's not too high on them. What do you, what do you make of that? I do think that the defense will be a little worse. I still think they will be at worst a top three defense in the conference and could very well be the best defense in the conference. Once again, they are retaining quite a bit of guys. I do think Derek Mason's a good hire, but best defense in school history. You lose Harper, you lose Rodriguez, you lose Holmes, you lose Jarrett Bernard Converse, you lose Tanner McAllister, you lose a lot of these guys. Uh, You know, I do expect a little bit of a dip there. 
but I don't expect a, a dip really on the offensive side of the ball. I think Casey Dunn in his third year, I think we, we hope that he's kind of finding his footing and that he and Spencer Sanders ha- are starting to figure each other out and what works. Maybe that's just me being optimistic after the bowl game, which was the best offensive output we've seen in quite some time at Oklahoma State. Uh, you know, Spencer was great in the second half against Oklahoma as well. Obviously, the Baylor game that was sandwiched in the middle wasn't too good, but you know, you lose Jalen Warren, you lose Tay Martin, but you've got guys in the backfield. I think you run Spencer Sanders a little bit more. Receiver to me isn't a concern, even losing Tay Martin. I think you've got Brendan Presley, Jaden Bray, John Paul Richardson. Uh, you got the Shetron twins coming in. I know there's other guys I'm forgetting. Receiver's not really a concern for me. So while I expect a little bit, and again, a small dip on the defensive side of the ball, I think that there's quite a bit of potential for this offense to be better in the third year with Casey Dunn as offensive coordinator and Spencer Sanders as starting quarterback working together. Yeah, I'm I'm still concerned about the offense, obviously, for obvious reasons. Um, Dunn really hasn't shown me a lot as OC, but they did have their moments last year, particularly in Bedlam, uh, against pretty good defense. So. I'm not nearly as concerned about the defense as Bill Connolly is. I think there's guys in there ready to step up, guys that he may not follow as closely. Like, I just keep going back to Jabbar Muhammad and and uh, and uh, Black. What's, what's Black's first name? Uh, uh, Corey, I believe. Yeah, Corey. He spells it funny. That threw me off. I almost said Colby. You <laughs> know, Colby Harvell Peel with the K. But um, guys like that, I think, are, are ready to, to step in and be starters. I really do. They, they showed me enough to, to prove that. So, I thought that was interesting. Uh, a lot of hype around OSU coming into the year, but Bill Conley's preaching a little bit of caution there. Uh, how about this? Lindy Waters signs a two-way contract with the Oklahoma City Thunder. That's a name you hadn't heard of in a while, Colby, but had a great career at Oklahoma State and has been lighting it up in the, the G League. I think he's shooting 48% from three, and that earned him a, a two-way deal with the Thunder. That's pretty cool. Hometown kid. Yeah, he's been a monster for the Blue. He, he really has been great for them, but Carson – I don't know if many people have really kind of followed the story of Lindy Waters and are familiar with what he's been doing. Less than a year ago, Carson, he was playing semi-pro basketball in Enid, Oklahoma, for the Enid Outlaws. That was less than a year ago. And now he's on a two-way contract with the Oklahoma City Thunder with a chance to play in the NBA. It is, I mean, it is a come-up story if there was ever a come-up story. And, And I know one thing, Carson, you don't get from the Enid Outlaws to the Oklahoma City Thunder in less than a year unless you are putting in an amount of work behind the scenes that people don't see that is staggering. I mean, I, I, I seriously, you have to tip your cap because I promise you the amount of work that he has done behind the scenes to get where he's at today to have signed that two-way contract with the Oklahoma City Thunder, he's been putting in the work. Otherwise, he wouldn't be where he is. So a huge congratulations to Lindy Waters, and hopefully he – pays off this opportunity, and we actually see him become a guy in the NBA who can be a role player, uh, and we can see with the Thunder. That would be awesome. Yeah, and gosh, as many guys as the Thunder have in and out of the lineup, as many guys as they play as they're continuing to tank, he might get to play pretty soon. Who knows? I mean, I and I, I just think this kind of shows you the way the NBA has changed. Uh, you see a lot of guys on two-way deals get called up, and the guy that comes to mind immediately is Austin Reeves out with the Lakers. I mean, he he signed a two-way contract, eventually earned you know, the last spot on the on the roster, and now he's become a rotation player. And at times, that hit some big shots, buzzer beaters for the Lakers. I don't know if, if Lindy will be able to do that in Oklahoma City, but I think you're seeing guys who have legit 
shooting skills like a Lindy Waters get their chance much more nowadays with the emphasis of the three point shot, maybe than if he had come along, you know, back in, in Randy Rutherford's era, because Randy Rutherford was born about 15 years too soon. That guy, if he was playing today, would be a 15 year veteran in the NBA and, and, and hit a million three pointers. Yeah, I think you're right. It's, it's funny. We were talking about eras. Uh, who was I talking about eras with? Maybe it was when I was down in Florida with Sam and Taylor with the, uh, with the golf pod. And we were talking about Russell Westbrook. And I was saying how I thought Russell Westbrook was just born a little bit too late. He was in the wrong era. If Russell Westbrook is in his prime in the mid 2000s or the early 2000s, he's a monster because that guy's just unbelievable. He's a unicorn in that time. You don't need to shoot. Nowadays, you've got Steph and you've got Dame and you've got all these guys doing all these ridiculous things shooting. Makes it a little tougher for a guy who struggles with his J. Uh, yeah, could be the same thing there. So hopefully he's getting in at the right time. And like you said, with what the Thunder are doing, uh, trying to tank, I mean, I check every night just fingers crossed, hoping and praying that they lost because I don't know if anyone listening, I don't know if you, Carson, have seen any of Chet Holmgren but Chet Holmgren is so, 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 so the real deal. And he's such a need in position and size for the Thunder. If they could pair Chet Holmgren with Shea, Shea, Chet Holmgren, Holmgren with Shea, Dort, and Giddy, then uh, some good things can happen. So hopefully they'll continue the tank, and hopefully Lindy Waters can parlay that into an opportunity to get himself really into the NBA. Yep, that'd be awesome. Uh, softball season's here, man. Col- Colby, uh, OSU softball. Ranked fifth in the country, beats 21st-ranked Arizona State in their season opener. Uh, it's truly remarkable. You and I have talked about this a lot, about what Kenny Gajewski has done since coming to Stillwater with the softball program. I mean, as much as Oklahoma State football has kind of the OU problem being in state, it's 10 times bigger deal having OU softball. Like, they're way more dominant than OU football is terms of winning national titles and things of that nature but here they are ranked fifth in the country and they, they beat a top 25 team in their first game yeah absolutely this is a program that has really been on the rise for a while now and has turned itself into one of the best programs in the country and obviously a great start to the season and a great matchup to start the season too. two ranked teams going after it not playing some rum dumb and then making yourself feel good whenever you win 18 to nothing in five innings. I, I like the way they went out and started yesterday and it was a good win against a good team. So uh, hopefully they keep it rolling and that's going to be a fun, fun season. Hopefully we can get some more of that on ESPN plus with the big 12 now stuff uh, and all that. Cause I know everybody enjoys watching it and I believe they're doing some for some facility upgrades as well. Uh, so hopefully they get what they deserve and what they've had coming. Yep, it's going to be a fun year for softball, no doubt about it. And I think Kenny Gajewski's talked about the facilities. They need upgraded, so that's just uh, another example of how much money it takes for an athletic department. Every every sport, wrestling, uh, needs needs bigger, better facilities. Everybody does. So that's that's why it's so important to win at football, to, to keep the coffers uh, full and, and the money flowing in. So uh, you got anything else before we get out of here for the weekend, Colby? Uh, not much Ricky Fowler yesterday, rough day all day, but then he holds out for Eagle on 17 and birdies 18. So he finished even yesterday, actually one shot better than Victor Hovland who came in at one over par yesterday. Uh, I didn't see what Gooch did, 
but just some Oklahoma State guys out there playing some pretty good golf. Uh, let's see. Taylor Gooch currently four under on the tournament, three under on his day, wow. so that's good for him. Uh, Ricky Fowler, one under for the tournament, which is also good, and Victor Hovland doesn't tee off for another couple of hours as we're recording this uh, midday Friday, so good luck to all the Oklahoma State guys in Phoenix. Hopefully uh, one of those guys can make a run at it this weekend. Who'd you end up going with on one and done? Bubba Watson, who is currently six under, one, two, make that three shots off the lead now as Sahith Tagala has come out hot in his second round. But I'm feeling pretty good about my Bubba pick. Who'd you take? I took Henley, Russell Henley. Right. How's he doing? Uh, he's even par. He hasn't teed off yet, though. So. Okay. Well, conditions are easy today. Wind is down. Scores are good. So hopefully he'll shoot a low one for you. Well, in the afternoon flight was such better scoring. Oh, yeah. In the morning flight yesterday, so... Hopefully more of the same today. So he's, he's teeing off later today. So, well, Colby, enjoy the weekend. Uh, I know you're about to get out and play some golf. I'm going to try and do the same this weekend, and uh, we'll get back with you next week. Absolutely. Sounds good. Everybody have a great weekend. Go Pokes.